Today, I'm sitting down with professional triathlete Colin Chartier. On March 27th this year, Colin was notified by the ITA, an anti-doping agency, of his positive out-of-competition drug test on February 10th for EPO. Today, Colin and myself are going to talk about it all, and I'm going to ask Colin all of the questions you want answered. Colin, can we go right back to the start, to the very beginning, when you first made the decision to take EPO? Yeah, certainly. Um, before I get to that, at firstly, I just want to apologize sincerely to to damaging the sport and to my friends and family, people who believed in me, my supporters. Like I'm deeply sorry for how I've damaged the sport. Um, but yeah, let's get is mid November, November sixteenth. I ordered online. EPO and that's when I first began and there was quite a few steps ahead of that before I came to that decision but that's the decision I, I really regret today. When you say there were a few steps before that ultimate decision to, to purchase the EPO online can can you take us inside what they were Colin? Coming yeah, I mean mentally I was not in a good place then um it was right off the back of of my disappointment at Kona. I felt like I really failed on the biggest stage there is in, in triathlon. And I don't know, I, I took it really personally. Like I felt like I let down the people that supported me and 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 I felt a lot of pressure. Um and at the same time, like I felt like I had to prove myself and, and beat everyone, beat the best guys in the world in, in this year. And when I was injured, I had like the tendonitis in the foot and the hip. And then I got COVID all in, you know, in November, I just felt like completely like I was falling behind. I felt like I couldn't reach the expectations I felt for this year without, without turning to, to EPO. Colin, last year, you won one of the four biggest races in the world. You won the PTO US Open. Um, the, the only other races that big are the Ironman World Championships, Ironman 70.3 World Championships and and the PTO Canadian Open. People are going to say that you're lying and that you were doping maybe even for your Ironman Montreal Blanc wing uh, and then into the PTO US Open win. Um, but you're telling us that that you did not decide to, to start doping and did not uh, take EPO for the first time until after those races. Um, are you being honest with us there, Colin? Yeah, I, I really am being honest and telling the truth. Like those performances were clean. And I know now it's going to be difficult for people to believe me because I've betrayed everyone's trust here with this decision. I mean, all I can say is I was during that time, during those months where I had I mean, arguably my best races in, in my life. I was in Arizona. I was training with Lionel and I was living with Aaron and Lionel. And by no means, I don't want to implicate them in, in any of this. Like they are awesome people. And the friendship and kindness they showed me during this time was incredible. And I'll, I'll always thank them for that. Uh, this is the only time last year where I was remotely happy. Like when I was with them, and the culture that they had 
And it's no surprise to me, like I had my best performances because I was in a happy place. And yeah, I mean, that's the only thing I can say. I, I don't have anything else to otherwise prove I was clean. Um, I mean, they can retest samples that I had for the races. And but otherwise, yeah, I was clean and you can choose to believe me or not. Colin, answer me this with no bullshit. Why did you dope? Like, why EPO? What what got you there? What got you that to that ultimate point? I hear you say, like, you know, you wanted to win the big races and you felt pressure, but I just, I just don't feel like you're you're telling me everything. Like, tell me everything. Why? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know why I felt this pressure or, or believed this, but I really wanted to win this year and 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 beat the best in the sport. And at the end of the day, like I. I don't know. I, I don't believe they're clean. And if I'm going to try to win, like, there's no amount of self, you know, self-belief I can have in myself if, if, if I believe the top guys are doping. And I think it's sad that I came to this decision. Um, and, I, and I don't have any evidence that top guys are. It's just the, the belief I had, and that's what ultimately led me to choosing to dope. Something that, that often gets said about doping, Colin, is that people don't dope alone. It's like a really common um, phrase in, in the, the doping world and that if someone is, is to be found out uh, as a doper, that it means that there's far more people that we don't know behind the scenes involved, maybe other athletes, coaches, teams, if it's in the cycling world or running world. And this is a hard question to ask you being a, a friend of yours, but was this a decision you made alone? Um, were other people involved? I, I know a lot of people are going to be looking at, at your coach, um, Mikael Eden, um, and, and people involved in, in his training environment um, and your, your fellow training mates. Was this purely a decision you made by yourself? Yeah, this, this was a decision I made by myself and I learned how to do it myself, obviously not successfully, um, and I was alone and feeling alone when I made this decision. And yeah, and the last thing I want to do is bring down the people that have supported me the most. And, and that's, yeah, McCall, my coach, I, I don't want to bring down any of the Norwegians or, you know, I was working closely with the team at Senate, but that they had nothing to do with, with the doping that I did. And yeah, I, I really don't want to bring anyone down because I, I did act alone. So when you say that you acted alone, that you figured out how to purchase EPO on your own um, and administer EPO to yourself on your own, I think for me personally to believe that, I need to understand that more. Like I don't think I can just hear you say that and, and not ask more questions. So because um, like... I, this might be my naivety, Colin, but it, I feel like I know you relatively well through our experience um, talking both on and off air over the past six months. Part of me goes, well, I don't believe Colin would do that by himself. And I think a lot of people, the, one of the main takeaways people will have after hearing that is, I don't believe him. Yeah. So for us to believe that, that it was completely you by yourself, take me inside that. When did you first research it? How did you learn? 
um, how to do it. Like, take me, take me inside your inside. What actually happened then? Yeah, I mean, if I mean a couple of years ago, I watched that movie Icarus, and you get to see how easy it is to purchase it over the internet. Um, as far as researching it, it's just a Google search of how to administer, how much to administer. And, you know, if, if I'm being honest, I, the last couple of years or, you know, a year and a half or so, I was definitely in the gray area where I was, you know, using the L-carnitine injections, um, which, which are not water banned. Um, and yeah, so I was already trying to push the boundaries. And unfortunately, yeah, I was there. And when I decided uh, that temptation was too much, it, I think being there made it easier to cross the line. And so you went onto a website, bought EPO, got it delivered to your house, bought the syringes and all of that kind of thing. And, and you just did it in your apartment. And we, is there like, is there a way that you were doing it that's new and modern and not talked about on, you know, Lance Armstrong documentaries? Is the way you were doing it how we all think of as someone as doing it in the early 2000s? Yeah, I was, you know, copying the same as Lance and, and the other guys. You know, whatever I read online, I was just trying the same protocol. So how how did you know if it was the right way to go about it, Colin? Like how did you... Were you completely trial and erroring it on your own? Like, were you trying different amounts and just being like, "I'll see how I feel"? Like, that's a that seems like a pretty risky thing for such a smart person like yourself. You know, in the moment, I, I felt like I had nothing to lose, and I guess that when you're in that position, like in a, a negative mental place, like I went to this all or nothing mindset and. So I guess I was willing to take the risk and I I thought I could take a, get away with it. And yeah, obviously I wasn't the case. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sorry if that you know answered your question or not. And you said that you'd already been experimenting in the gray area for the last couple of years, Colin, with like Alcarnitin, um and then straight on to EPO or was there other things like was, was EPO the first drug that you took? Was it the only drug that you took? Were, were there other things? No, EPO was the, the first and only drug that I took that, that crossed that line. And you tested positive for EPO in an out of competition test um, and, and you decided to first take it in November. Roughly how many times did you administer EPO to yourself between first taking it and and last taking it? I did the protocol is like three to four times a day, or I mean, not a day, three to four times a week. And in this period, Colin, you were obviously injured. You were going through mental highs and lows. Did you feel like it, it helped uh, like an extraordinary amount? Did you feel like a different person? Can you take me inside what it was like actually taking EPO? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I felt like I recovered faster from the injuries I was dealing with, which was soft tissue injuries so it could speed the healing by increasing more red blood cells to the area and as far as the workouts go like i had some yeah incredible workouts as far as the power and, and pace when i really had taken like two three months off of training after after kona so like i shouldn't have been able to do that taking all that time off sebastian keenley 
one of the sport's most respected athletes, maybe of all time, commented on your Instagram post that you put out. And I know you, that you, I know that you put that Instagram post out in a, a bit of a rushed way because this all happened very fast and, and you just wanted to put something out there to the, the triathlon community. And so maybe it wasn't truly representative of, of everything you feel and that's why you're doing a bit of a longer form like podcast or, or tell-all interview like this. But Sebastian Kinlay wrote a sarcastic comment that said, let me guess, you bought it on the internet and also learned how to use it all from the internet. Internet. Nobody helped you, nobody knew. And so what he's saying there for, for people who don't um, realise is he's saying that's what everyone says and yeah. he's sort of um, quoting what you're going to say, like, yeah, we've heard it all before. You're lying to us. And I know you've already touched on that and said, well, that is what I did uh, and believe that or, or don't believe that. Uh, and like I've already touched on, a lot of people are not going to believe that. So how do you convince people or do you do you even want to convince people or are you just going to let people make up their own minds on that? Look, I, I'm not trying to convince anyone, but I'm just going to tell you, the tr- I mean, the truth. And, you know, one of the things that the ITA, that's the International Testing Agency, is they did a, a thorough investigation into whether or not like this was a bigger doping ring in the sport because they're really interested in seeing if this is a endemic problem in the sport. And they've done interviews with me and other people um, that I'm close to or have connections with. And yeah, I mean, they concluded as well that I was acting alone. I mean, yeah. So, so it is what it is. I'm not here to try to control what other people believe. I'm here to tell my truth and to try to turn a new chapter. I know what I've, I've already made the mistake and I don't want to continue making mistakes and, and lying to people and to myself. Like I'm ready to get this past me and to move on with my life. Cause I really do want to live with integrity and honesty. And I, I mean, I know it, I've, there's a lot of mistrust now, but it's not too late to start over again. There's a few hard questions that I want to ask here that we've sort of touched on a little bit and some that we haven't touched on that, that they're hard to ask because they're, they're so real and they implicate other people. We've already touched on it, your coach, Mikael Eid, and, and the broader Norwegian um, training environment that he's a part of. This is going to taint that, no matter how many times you say he isn't involved or they are not involved. There is um, people, however bigger percentage it is that aren't going to believe that what can you say to us that makes us think they did not have any part of this they did not have any knowledge of this they were not involved in this they did not help me purchase or administer it i do not know of and don't think that they do it themselves all of those things yeah that's a i mean it's a difficult question to ask i mean the last thing i want to do is to to damage this sport and you know, I have to believe that these guys are clean, and I choose to believe that. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't. If you look at Gustav and Christian, I really have no connection to them. Like, even McCall wasn't even he. McCall lodged the protest against his brother Gustav. Like, I don't want people to you know conflate these two camps. 
in just a generalization that the the Norwegians are one entity, but you know, I'm I'm not connected with them, and we were really trying to bring them down, like in the races to beat them. Like that was, I came out publicly at the end of last year and this year, being like, my goal is to beat the best guys because I felt like in the PTO US Open, you know, they they weren't there. It wasn't the top field, and I don't know why I put this or felt this pressure and expectation to, but I thought I needed to to take the next step, like to to beat the best if I wanted to prove myself. I and I don't know, maybe this comes from a place of just I never believed I was adequate enough or I never good enough. Uh, I don't know. I felt this pressure for most of my life where I just no matter how good a result I got, it like it was never enough or I was never happy. And you know, at the end of the day, that drove me to this point I'm at. I mean, I, I remember, I'm sorry we're deviating from the conversation, but I have nothing more to say to prove that, you know, these guys, the Gustav Christian, Jan, aren't involved. Like, I've said everything I could. Um, but part of this reason for this decision, like I became incredibly unhappy with where I was in, in the sport, like with my life. I The sacrifices it took, because I was trying to emulate you know, the training and again, like the Norwegian training methods and it's incredibly boring and time consuming training. And I've lost the fun that I used to have, like the roots of why I love the sport, because I was just very long, boring sessions. And then I was trying to emulate the same lifestyle that, that Gustav and Christian had, where it was like deny myself friendships or relationships and, you know, a girlfriend and, the more I did this, the more isolated I became and the more unhappy I felt. And so, I mean, I'm, I've decided, I mean, I have a three-year ban, so I could return when I'm 32. So I could still be in my prime years, but I have no desire to return because the sacrifices I, I've taken, I just don't believe it's worth the outcome. You know, at least for me, not anymore. I want to experience you know, love and a relationship and, and, you know, a weekend, a regular job, like these are things that I've sacrificed for 15 years. And there's a lot more I've sacrificed. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sad that I had to leave this way. And I, I don't think like, I, I truly believe I couldn't have walked away. I couldn't have quit. Even no matter on how, on how, uh, how unhappy I was like, I couldn't have lived with myself if I quit because of all the years of sacrifice I put in. And then it drove me to going all in and, and too much. And and now I'm all out. And like I said, I have a couple of hard questions. My second hard question, Colin, is a lot of people um, are already calling for you to give back your um, PTO US Open prize money, the 100,000 US dollars that you won from that. Um, and, and even going as far as to say that you should be giving back your sponsorship money that you took for the, the 2023 season. Um, your comments on that? Yeah, I mean, as far as the PTO US Open, I, I did that clean. They can retest the samples. I'm 100% sure of this. And as for this year's 2023 sponsorship money, I've already talked to them and I'm giving back everything. So, I mean, I'm trying to do what's right 
and I'm giving back the sponsorship money and I hope that they can put this towards another athlete. Colin, you, you've said that the Norwegians, um, Mikael Eden, your coach, Gustav Eden, Christian Blumenfeld, um, by association, I guess the, the other coaches in their group, like Olav Alexander Boo, you've said definitively they were not involved. They have no knowledge of it. I like to believe that they themselves are clean. Not just speaking about them, Colin, have you ever had any conversations with other professional triathletes that you've trained with um, or talked to either in person or over the phone or on social media about their drug use? Um, Do you know of any other professional triathletes in the sport that are currently or have in the past taken performance-enhancing drugs? Yeah, I mean, I haven't had any personal uh, conversations with other athletes in the sport about this. Um, I mean, but that's not to, I mean, look, high performance sport across all bodies, like there is incredible suspicion. And as, you know, as much as I want to believe all the competitors are clean, I also hold the idea that there's suspicion. And it's hard to hold both of those together because they're contradictory. And I don't know, at the end, if I didn't, you know, have suspicions that other athletes were doing it, I would have been less likely to do it. And then you just look at the history of sport in the last 20 years and cycling and Lance, all these other sports, it's, it's difficult yeah, to believe in sport. And I know, and I, and I really wish that sport was something that was clean and fun and, and pure because of that, that is what sport should be to be doing it out of pure joy and uh, and together with other athletes. But I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I mean, we live in a broken world, and I'm sorry I added to that. You've said that you're stepping away from the sport fully. By that, do you mean in all aspects? Will the triathlon world see anything from you again? Will you be at any races? Will you... Um, go on podcasts or on YouTube videos? Will you stay active on social media? Or after this interview here, um, will this be the last that the triathlon community sees of, of you, Colin? Yeah, as far as the triathlon community, I mean, it breaks my heart. But yeah, I think this is this is it for me. Um, I've lost I've lost the love for the sport. And it's my own doing. And And look, I'm here to own what I did and the consequences they have. As far as, you know, other podcasts and stuff, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'll go on a few. And and I'm also, I've offered up help to with, with working with the ITA because I want to help people who are maybe in the same situation. And if I can do, you know, anti-doping educational seminars and, and, and further podcasts to, you know, in an, an attempt to repair the damage I've done, like, I'm more than willing and and want to do this. Do you still have EPO in your house, syringes in your house, the tools necessary to administer EPO, or did you get rid of them? I immediately got rid of them all as soon as I got the news. When you got the news, Colin, was it complete relief for you? Did did you feel like um, I'm, I'm basing this off what you've you've said to me already? Did you? feel like, okay, I was hating the sport. I want to get out anyway. This is a good reason to get out. Like I feel, 
I felt trapped by it or did you feel shock and sadness? Were you worried about what people were going to think? What, what was your emotion? Yeah. I mean, my immediate emotion was just devastation that, and, and sadness that it had come to this. Um, but then quite quickly after I felt like a weight vest had just been taken off my shoulders and it's, I don't think I've felt like that, like free from the expectations to perform or the pressures that I felt like I hadn't felt like that since I was probably 12 years old. And, and immediately at that moment, I knew I didn't want to return to sport. And I, I don't know, I think at some point it became too much of a job and I lost the joy of it. When you, when you found out, was there anyone in the triathlon world that you reached out to for support throughout this whole process? Has, has anyone known about it behind the scenes that you've been talking to um, or up until today having this conversation? Um, have you not talked to anyone? Yeah, I mean, the, the first person I reached out to was actually Andrew Messick. I mean, there was Iron Man and the ITA. Those were the two people who knew about the test. And I sincerely just said, hey, I would, I just want your advice. Like, what, what would you do in my situation? And he came from kind of a lot of experience and wisdom to be like, hey, look, this is, I mean, you've done what you've done, but how I move forward here is going to define my character as a man for the rest of my life. And, and the options were to, you know, I had the options to fight the test. I contacted the lawyers, the same that Chris Froome used, you know, there, there are ways you can, you know, get the B sample or fight it. And, and you could, I could have made excuses to be like, Oh, it's, you know, a tainted supplement or something, or somebody gave it to me. At the end of the day, like, I'm taking ownership here because I made this choice and I know it was a terrible mistake, but I've made it and I want to live, you know, a better life and an honest life. And, and it starts now. And so what is the next, next step for you in your life, Colin? Where do you go once you leave this interview here today? And where do you see yourself going in the next few weeks? Uh, I mean, I really, I don't know. I, I, I don't have that answer. I'm not really sure if there's um, there's anything else to, to talk about here. Um, from my perspective, like um, it, it's a really hard position for me because I, I've considered you a friend for the past, you know, half a year getting to know you, but I also care deeply about the sport of triathlon, um, something which I think you as a friend of me uh, know about myself, like, I, I care so deeply about this sport, um, particularly the long course side of this sport. And, you know, in every second episode I do, um, the last question I, I end podcasts with is like, hey, do you know anything about doping? Do you think there's doping in our sport? Because I don't hear anyone talking about it, but I know that it exists. And um, it was a it was a real shock um, and a really hard thing to hear that the answer to that question is yes, it does exist. And it's one of your mates that's doing it. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like sad. I feel really sad. Um, I feel, I feel sad for the sport. Um, it makes me question 
a lot of what's happening at the top of the sport. It, it makes me not know if I can trust what's happening at the top of my sport. Um, it makes me sad for you on a personal level that, that you felt the need to make that decision. Um, it makes me question, I guess, everything you say to me as well. Um, like I'm sitting here today wanting to believe everything you say and, you know, knowing you well, I, I th- my heart tells me that you're telling me the truth, but, but it's, it's still a really hard thing to believe. And so I guess that's what a lot of people will be thinking listening to this right now is he seems like he's being honest and he seems like he's telling us everything, but is he, or is this just still a half truth and an elaborate cover up of other people and widespread drug use and other people telling people how they can dope, where they can get their their EPO from or their other drugs from, why they should do it, um, putting pressure on people to do it. So I really do hope you're telling me the truth, Colin, as a friend. Um, and, and I hope you're telling the triathlon world the truth. Uh, I'm making the hard decision to believe you. I think that's the harder decision. I think it's easy to be skeptical and to not believe you. Um, I, I guess that's my last my last sort of statement, mate. And the the last thing I'd want to hear from you is is how hearing me speak about those things as as your friend makes you feel, and and if you have anything to say to me. I mean, yeah, and all I can say, I'm just really sorry that I I brought this on you, and and I brought this on the sport. Like I, I'm deeply, truly sorry, and. I don't, I, you know, I could say this a thousand times and people are still going to feel the way they feel and they're going to feel hurt. And I just hope we can move forward. And so on what I just said, this is where I feel like, unless you, unless there's anything else that you feel like you want to say or need to say, um, I guess this is your opportunity that if I've missed anything, if you feel like there's anything you need to get off your chest, anything you want to tell people outside of what you've already told them, um, go for it now. Uh, that's it that's all I have what I want to end it on Colin is that if you're telling the truth I respect you enormously for telling it but if if you feel stuck and this isn't the truth then the triathlon world will always want to hear the full truth Um, if this is it great like I said I, I commend you for coming out and telling it and not going down the path of lying and denying but if there is stuff that's left out and whether it's a month from now or six months from now or 12 months from now or two years from now or five years from now, if you want to come out and tell the triathlon world, they will want you to tell the truth ultimately. And, and if this is it, then keep telling this story for the rest of your life and, um, and that's your truth. But if it's not, there will always be a platform on this show for you to come and tell it fully. Or if I'm not around at that stage, the triathlon community will always want to know the full truth. So I just want you to know that, that if, if it is a case of you feeling stuck and not wanting to tell the full truth, you know, I understand that would be a hard situation and, and there will always be a, a time for you to tell that when you're ready. Uh, th- thank you, Jack, for for allowing me to, to tell my truth and, and my my story on this podcast. And, and just one last apologies for thanking the, the PTO. Road to PTO series. I I definitely bombed that one. I uh I was telling the the boys 
Aaron and and Fred and and Mika um, and and Tom, the boys that 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 you do the series with, yeah, I've known something's up for a while. Um, you've not been yourself for the past sort of month or so. Um, it's been very obvious you've been dealing with some stuff, um, and you know, hate dopers don't care about people doping. Wherever you sit in this, um, I guess on a personal note, mate, just um, you've done the wrong thing. There's no forgiving you for doing the wrong thing in that regard. But if you're telling the truth, then I guess it's lucky that you didn't race under the influence. If you are lying and you did, then you've done the extremely wrong thing. Own that. Do what you're doing. Keep owning it. But look after yourself because ultimately, mate, um, it's a fucking shit thing and um, there's going to be a lot of shame that comes with that. You're going to get a lot of hate for that and and rightfully so. Yeah. But we don't need you letting it take a hold of you and ending up in a situation where you're not with us anymore because you get so much online hate um, that that you decide this place, this world isn't isn't a place worth living in. Um, you still have value to provide the world um, despite doing a, a really wrong thing and, and something that you do need to reflect on in a big way on a personal level like you, you, t- you spoke about and like Andrew Messick spoke to you about. Um, be a man, be a good person, show that re- that honour and integrity um, and respect for yourself and, and do the work on yourself, but stay with us, you know. Don't don't shy away from it. Yeah. Don't don't disappear too much. No. Put yourself out there, own it, make up for it, help the triathlon community and and learn from it and be a better person. You're not a bad person. You're a good person who made a fucking terrible decision and a string of terrible decisions. Um, and the path for you now is to be better in the future. Yeah. No, thank you, Jack. I, uh, I mean, I'm going to try my best and yeah, at the end of the day, I could only control my actions at this point now, my thoughts. And I hope other people can make, make what they want of this situation. And, and I, I hope to move, move on and move forward and i know it's not going to be easy and especially these next couple of weeks it's going to be a really trying time for me mm-hmm. don't do it alone do not do it alone reach out to people who love you there's going to be 95 percent of the internet who hate you and 95 percent of the triathlon community who hate you but the the people in your life you go and lean on them um and and yeah don't don't let the stupid decision um, get any worse by isolating yourself like I know that you're prone to and that the sports um, led you to be prone to. Go and lean on your family and your friends and um, turn this fucked up situation into a positive for yourself and let us in the triathlon community deal with it from here. Um, but but you step away and, and work on yourself a little bit and, um, yeah, that's... I mean, this this is probably stuff that should go off air, but this is more a personal conversation at this point, isn't it? But yeah, um, yeah. I do think it's important. Like the the main takeaway here is that you fucked up and and taken EPO and um, betrayed the sport of triathlon. Um, but you know, there's also a mental health aspect to this that you know some people will say that you might hide behind and other dopers hide behind, but it's fucking real. So don't don't listen to that too much and and allow yourself to um to seek comfort in, in other people and don't feel like you're not worthy of that, mate. Oh, thank you. Thank you for the encouragement. Um, I mean, I'll just, I'll try my best. 
to to move forward. All right, mate. So I guess we leave this here. I, it's 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 dragging on because I don't know how to wrap it up. It feels like it's a conversation that should have so much more to it, but we've we've asked everything that there is to ask, and we've and you've said everything that there is to say. Um, and from now, it's up to everyone whether they believe you or not, and they get to make that decision, and they get to form their own opinions. And let's keep this dialogue going in the triathlon world about doping. I think the 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 situation here with with Colin has shown us doping exists in triathlon. We can no longer sweep the issue of doping under the carpet. We cannot hold the view that we live in a triathlon community that is above it and do this thing that we've continually done where we go, cycling's dirty and running's dirty, but I believe triathlon's clean. Maybe it is cleaner, but it's not completely clean. And by not having the conversations, we don't do the sport any justice. It might have been easy to say, no, I don't want Colin on this on this podcast. I don't want to give a platform to a doper. But that's part of the problem. If you're a professional triathlete, if you're an age group triathlete, ask the questions, keep the conversations going, put pressure on people to not want to dope by talking about it in a light that doesn't glorify it or doesn't make it secretive. We want to build a community that, that creates a environment where it's known doping will not be stood for we do not want dopers in our sport uh, and by not having that conversation it it doesn't really spread that message in a in a way that we need to um, and i guess that's where you could come into things now colin when you um, when and if you do decide to to get back into the triathlon community it can be to spread that message um, so yeah that's my uh, editorial on that let's uh let's keep this conversation going and and uh and not pretend it doesn't exist from here because, Colin, I hate to say it, but you're living proof that it is in our sport and we do need to get on top of this very, very serious issue. 